Hey, welcome to the Project Church podcast. My name is Caleb Cole. I'm the lead pastor here at Project Church in downtown Sacramento. And we're so glad that you came to hear this word. We believe this is going to encourage you, build you up, and give you life. So get ready to receive a message from God. Good to see you guys. Uh, We are continuing this relationship series today, Real Relationships, Building Real in a Fake World. How many know there's a lot of fake out there right now? And this world will try to push us in relationships to look a certain way, act a certain way, think a certain way, uh, focus on certain things, but they're the wrong things, often the fake things. And so today, we're jumping in to real relationships, and I'm really excited for all that God has for us. And uh, last week, I want you to see what we talked about last week, and then here's the breakdown of the whole series coming up over the next few weeks. So, they're not paying attention. It's good. Uh, Coming up for us, there we go. It starts with you, was last week. It starts with you, part two, today, uh, toxic relationships. Next week, Chrissy is bringing the word, and so make sure you're here, moving on from your past. Week four, Chrissy and I coming in together, tag team, teaching tag team back again. Come on, everybody. Check, baby, check, baby. Uh, Let's begin. Growing your love after marriage. We're going to talk about it because we're coming up on 13 years of marriage. Can you believe it, Chrissy? Y'all, we were young once. It was a long time ago, but week five, relationships in the church. I'm excited. I'm excited for today. God's got a word for us, but as we talk about it starts with you, part two. I have a, a, a secondary title to this message, which is prepare the bag. Everybody say prepare the bag. You guys have heard it said secure the bag. This is a saying that we have in today's culture for securing your money, right? Earning your money, making your money, taking care of your business, secure the bag. But today I want to talk to you about preparing your bag. Prepare the bag. So I brought in my bag today. This is my backpack. Goes with me everywhere I go. I'm a Herschel guy. Where are my Herschel people at? Few of you. All right. Uh, I was a Jansport guy back in the day. You know what I'm saying? But uh, I've progressed in my life. And so every morning I get up and I prepare my bag for the day. I have to prepare myself, set myself up for the success and all the things I want to accomplish in my day. And so I have to prepare my bag. So I often do it the night before. And when I do... I find that I'm less stressed, but sometimes it happens the more morning of. But how many of you know preparation, there's a lot that goes into it. There's more that goes into you getting up and getting out the door every day than you even recognize. Let me just illustrate this for you. So usually every morning, because I study from home a lot, all my stuff is out and spread out. And so I get up and I go through the process, the journey. I, I, I get my keys first, right? You can't leave the house without your keys. My wife rarely knows where hers are, which is why we have these tile things attached to them. It's a great app. You just click it and it beeps at you and you can find your keys. Come on, somebody, for the tile. So we throw that in there. I make sure I have the word because I'm always reading the word, studying the word, preparing for messages for y'all. And, uh, and so I make sure I got the word in the bag. Uh, we're in a relationship series, so I've actually been reading Michael Todd's book, Relationship Goals, gotten a lot out of it. So I've had this with me 
regularly, every morning, leaving with it. This is my full focus planner. I actually write out every day all my to-do lists, my tasks, everything I need to accomplish for the week. And so I bring this with me. I'm old school. Come on, pencil and paper people. Uh, Y'all don't know because you didn't grow up on trapper keepers like I did. But, but some of us need pencils and papers. And so I, I write out every day my goals, what I'm trying to accomplish. So I never leave home without my journal. Got to have my wallet, right? Throw that in there. Make sure if I get pulled over because I tend to speed. I got my license on me. Uh, I'm a pastor. I'm always praying for people. So you can't leave home without it. We don't want no bad breath up in here when we're praying over people. So we got the Trident gum. Y'all know this is a, an essential now, leaving, that, leaving the house. You can get these for $5 out in front, Project Church mask. And then finally, and I, I dropped my AirPods somewhere, but usually I got my AirPods too. Uh, throw those in there. Can't leave home without them. And then, of course, we put the iPad in the bag. Now, when I have all of these things in the bag, I've prepared my bag properly. I get to my job, I go about my day, and I feel effective. I feel focused. I feel dialed. I feel locked in. Preparing your bag for the day is essential. And I don't know what your job is, so depending on your job, your bag looks different. Some of you, it's tools. Some of it's it's medical equipment. Some of it, it it's it's teaching things what you might need as a teacher. I don't know what your bag looks like, what your preparation would look like in your bag. It, it, it's different for all of us. But today, I want to talk to you about preparing the bag of love. I want to talk to you about preparing your bag of love because preparation is how we become. And most of us aren't becoming who we want to be or who we're supposed to be. And we're not becoming who we want to be or who we're supposed to be because we're not preparing properly. The bag of love has not been prepared. And so I'm going to do something that I've never done in the years of being a preacher, teacher of God's word. I'm going to teach from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I'm going to teach from the love chapter. I've never taught from it because I'm like, they've heard it. Everybody knows these verses. Everybody's heard these verses. And yet I felt God impress on my spirit and my heart that I would teach from the love chapter today. So I want to encourage you to go there with me. 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. We're going to talk about preparing your bag. Prepare the bag. And I'm talking about the bag of love. So I came across a message about a year ago and I loved it so much. These two phrases, I saved them until today. It was a message by a pastor named Andy Stanley. I want to give him credit. And uh, I want to read these statements to you because I think they're so important and essential for us today in kind of uh, uh, encapsulating how we want to become in terms of our love. He said this, are you becoming the person that the person you are looking for is looking for? This is for you single people out there. Are you becoming the person that the person you are looking for is looking for? And secondly, for us married people, are you becoming the person that the, per the person you married is hoping for? 
You see, we all need to become something else. We're in the process, the Bible calls it sanctification. It's a theological word for the process of being made holy. We're becoming. But what we're becoming is what I want to talk to you about today. Because we need to become the love that the word of God lays out for us. We need to become all that God has for us in our relationships so we can have the real relationships, the healthy relationships that God is calling us to. The problem is most people fantasize about finding the right person, but we rarely if ever fantasize about becoming the right person. We want to find the right person, but we don't want to worry about becoming the right person. Because most of us are more concerned in marriage or not with what they're doing rather than focused on who we're becoming. And so today, and why this is, it's all about you, or it starts with you, part two, is because I want to challenge us in who you are becoming. This isn't about them. This isn't about how your spouse needs to change. Some of you already are like, ooh, I know someone that needs to hear this message. No, no, this is for you. <laughs> I'm talking to you today. It starts with you. I'm not saying you can't share it, but this needs to be for you today. I want you to receive something today. You see, it takes more than a promise and a party to be the person God wants you to be. It takes more than a promise and a party in marriage. It takes preparation. If you're going to become, you have to prepare. So let's talk about preparation Today, I want to read 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. I'm going to just read a few verses for you. This is in the beginning of the New Testament, the love chapter, starting in verse 4. Here we go. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Today I want to talk to you about preparing the bag, your love bag, so you can live healthy in the relationships that God has called you to have. Becoming takes preparing and preparing is done through training we've been in a training season at our church a couple of Wednesdays back I taught on preparing or training for revival and I believe God wants to train us better today to have the relationships that he's meant for us to have unfortunately that's not what many people have in this room we have unhealthy marriages unhealthy friendships unhealthy family dynamics we have unhealth, and God's like, let's get real. Take off the masks. I mean, you can leave them on right now if you're wearing them physically, but <laughs> take off the, the, the masks that so many of us wear and be real with our relationships so we can grow and build the real healthy relationships God wants us to have. So I want to talk to you about preparing your bag of love. First today. 
If we're going to prepare our bag of love, we must be patient, not pushy. Patient, not pushy. That every morning I wake up and I insert patience into my bag. I put it on. That's part of my preparation. And how many of you know it is hard to be patient? How many know patience is not our default? You can just talk to my wife about it. You can ask her what I say. I, am a, I, I struggle with patience in my life. I go to any drive-thru but Chick-fil-A, I'm like, they're scrubs. <laughs> How is it that hard? You just make it. Chick-fil-A, it's always their pleasure. They got me. I'm in and out. I do love in and out, though, for real. Patient. Not pushy. I, I think that children teach us patience more than anyone. In fact, this morning, my wife, she came here early. You saw her up here leading worship. And so she got here very early this morning with the worship team. Give it up for the team. Come on, they work hard. The production team on the cameras in the back. Uh, th- these guys get here early every morning to make this happen. You all know this doesn't just happen by accident. We don't just show up and poof, it's all ready to go. There's a lot of preparation that goes on behind the scenes. But my wife came early, and so I had to get all three kids ready. And she had laid out an outfit for my daughter. She's six years old, thinks she's 16. And the first thing she did when she got up, she immediately started crying. I said, what's the problem? She said, I never wear short sleeves with this dress. I only wear long sleeves with this dress. I said, okay, let's go through your long sleeve drawer. We went through every iteration of long sleeves. None of them worked with that dress. None of them. And so I, I proceeded for the next 15 minutes to debate and fight my daughter to push her to wear something else. All the while knowing I was going to be late. And finally I got to the part I said, you know what, Charlie? It's on you. You have 10 minutes to get ready. You wear whatever you want. Otherwise, I'm leaving you. And I'm not playing. I would have left that six-year-old home alone today. <laughs> Trying to get here to preach. But how many know kids teach you patience like no other? I want to be pushy. I wanted to just force the clothes on her. But I knew that wasn't the most loving way. I had to be patient with her. I had to converse with her. And eventually I had to let her make her own choice. So don't judge the outfit she's wearing today, y'all. It is what it is. We made it. But love is patient. And patience is not our default. We want to be pushy. We want things on our timeline. We want things according to how we see them. And so today, I would encourage you first that you would put patience in your bag of love. This is how you prepare love. Secondly, we see in preparing love that it is kind but not blind. It's kind, not blind. What does it say? Love is kind. It goes on later. It is not irritable or resentful. Hear me. If your perspective is off, you end up being irritable and resentful. But when you put kindness in the bag, when you choose first thing in the morning before you go to bed at night, I'm going to carry kindness. I saw someone in a 
be kind shirt this morning. Kind is cool shirt. When you choose kindness, there's something that shifts in your perspective. And then when people mistreat you or act wrongly or don't do things according to your timeline, instead of resenting them or being irritable with them, come on, y'all are irritable at times, especially when you haven't eaten and, you, and you're hangry, you choose kindness in love. And kindness is not always easy. I've found that being kind is usually uh, uh, and rarely my default. It is often down the road in terms of thinking and actions that I have in my life. You see, we prepare with our sight. Did you hear me? I said, we're kind, we're not blind. And what happens is if our perspective is off, if our sight is off, if we're not seeing in the right way, then we default to irritability and resentfulness instead of the kindness that God is calling us to have. What am I telling you today? Believe the best in the people around you. See the best in the people around you. See the best in your spouse. Believe the best over your spouse. Believe the best over your friends. Believe the best over your coworkers. Be their biggest cheerleader. I want to cheer the people on around me. I don't want to criticize them. I don't want to be irritated with them for pursuing what they want to pursue. I want to cheer them on. I I mean, I got to be honest with you. My wife is my biggest hype man. And, and, And that's one thing I love about my wife is I've come off this stage before and been like, man, that was trash. That was like the worst message I've ever preached. And she walks up to me and the first thing she says to me, I think that was your best message ever. And I'm like, for real? She's like, oh my goodness, it was so good when you said this, this, and this. By the time I get to the car, I'm like, I'm a beast. (laughs) We need cheerleaders in our life. We need hype men in our life. We need our spouses to, to encourage us with kindness. Are we kind to our children? Are we kind to the people around us? Are we kind to our coworkers? And that doesn't mean that, that, that they're always going to be kind to us. But when we put it in our bag, when we prepare it in our lives by saying, no, I'm going to be kind, even when, when someone doesn't treat me kindly, it removes the wrong things. We have to see with spiritual eyes. You see, preparing love means we have to be patient, not pushy, kind, not blind. But thirdly, we have to be mindful, not prideful. What does it say? Love does not boast, and it is not arrogant. It does not boast, and it is not arrogant. My, my wife has said multiple times to me, like, let other people hype you up. Don't be the one that hypes you up. Don't be the one that tells everyone about your accolades. Let everyone else sing your praises. We're mindful. We're not prideful. I want to ask you, do you think of others before yourselves? You see, me being mindful is about your thinking, which is why Paul taught us this. He actually said to take every thought captive, wrong thoughts captive. He said, think about what is good, what is praiseworthy, what is excellent. Meditate on those things. 
You see, being mindful is about your thinking and your state of mind. And how many know that thinking leads to action? Everybody touch your temple. You see, thinking leads to action. How you think leads to how you act. Be mindful, not prideful. Don't try and change your spouse. Love your spouse for who they are. What I've found is that constant criticism creates constant insecurity. Be mindful, not prideful. I think in marriage, we tend to see the worst of the people around us. And this goes back to the last point. That we're kind, not blind, but so many of us are blind to the good things. We're blind to the good actions. We're blind to, to all the good things our spouse is doing or the people around us are doing. And as a result, we focus on the wrong things. I want to be a person that's mindful of those around me, not only focused on me. That isn't just about me, what I've done, what I've accomplished, how great I am. And I think that in this culture, we've created a people that, that are their own biggest fans. And I'm not saying you shouldn't be your biggest fan, like be a fan of yourself, that's great. But what it's done is it's made us into people that put ourselves before others. When biblically speaking, Jesus said, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Jesus said to put others before yourself. Look to the needs of others before you look to your own needs. But what arrogance does, what pride does, is it makes me first. It's about what I need. It's about what I want. In relationships, it ends up being critical. It becomes criticism because we're criticizing what they're not giving to us. What they're not doing for us. What they're not blessing me with. And that is rooted in pride. I want to be mindful, not prideful. I want to be serving not selfish. These two run together. What does it say? It does not insist on its own way. It does not insist on its own way. Some of you need to hear this. All relationship problems, I believe, are rooted in selfishness. Relationship problems rooted in selfishness and all marriage happiness flows through selflessness. Could you imagine a marriage where each of you are being fully selfless, fully serving the other? Could you imagine a relationship where two people fully selfless are just giving of themselves to the other? You know what would happen? Complete satisfaction. Because each of them is meeting the needs of the other. We're trying to outdo one another in showing honor, as the word tells us. We're trying to outdo one another in serving servanthood at this church we say is our calling it's the same way in marriage you are called to serve that person that God gave you it doesn't insist on its own way it actually wants to look and bless the other person it's often not just that we aren't or we're lacking in love that's the problem I think there's a lack of friendship that will produce unhappiness in marriage. And I found in my marriage, you know, going on 13 years with Chrissy, that 
in serving one another, there's a friendship that's developed. There's a friendship where our relationship isn't just about like being parents. It isn't just about, you know, what our vision is for our life. It's about having fun together. And so I look to like, what, are, what do you want to do? My wife, she'll tell you, she's as bougie as they come. She says, you want to bless me? Take me to the most expensive dinner in Sacramento. And so we got a date night plan for this week, and it's probably going to be expensive. And it's going to break the budget a little bit. But you know what? I want to serve. But there's a friendship that's developed when we don't insist on our way but serve the needs of the others. This is how we prepare love. We put serving into our bag. Next, we prepare love by being truthful, not toxic. Does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Let me illustrate this for you. This week, my wife was at our kid's school, and an individual who was in the room, or not in this room, who, who was in, uh, in the drop-off zone, started talking to my wife. And she had seen a person she knew from six, seven years ago when he was in high school. And she started to tell my wife, I'm so glad he's doing well with the Lord now. But guess what he did when he was in high school? And she began to recant and recap all of the failures of the past. And my wife didn't know what to do because let me tell you what that was. That was gossip, church. And she began to recap it and she's going and my wife's like, uh, and she felt her blood boiling too, you know, and, and she's like, how do I get out of this conversation? And what I sense is there was a rejoicing at the wrongdoing. Like, oh, I I'm going to make this spiritual. I'm so glad that they're doing well with the Lord now. But let me tell you about how they were back in the day. We don't need to hear that noise. We don't need to talk about that. We don't need to bring that up. You want to know why? Because God has already taken those sins and thrown them in the sea of forgetfulness. I know it's hard for us to forget, church. I'm, I know it's hard for us to forget. But I'll tell you this. You may not forget it, but that doesn't mean you got to talk about it. And so here's what happens in love. What that was was toxicity in the bag. Rather than truthfulness. What does truthfulness do? It does not rejoice at wrongdoing. It rejoices with the truth. What was the truth? They were saved, sanctified, made new, transformed. That's what we're going to celebrate. That's what we're going to focus on. And so what happens in relationships is we're like, I'm just being truthful. I'm going to point out all your failures. I'm not saying we don't take out the junk and talk about it sometimes because we're not peacekeepers, we're peacemakers. Peacekeepers sweep it under the rug. Peacemakers pull it out and say, this is ugly, let's talk about it. Let's get this cleaned up. Let's take care of this. But what I am saying is we leave the past in the past. And some of you keep bringing up past failures in relationships. You keep bringing up past shortcomings in relationships and God's saying, it's time to move on from that. Let's rejoice with the truth. And the truth is, 
is we're moving forward together. We have a vision together. God's got something new for us. God's building something healthy for us. Rejoice in the truth. You see, if I'm truthful, I do talk about the hard things. But I'm not toxic in weaponizing the failures. And in relationships, it's very easy to weaponize our failures. It's very easy to get caught up in weaponizing that which God has forgotten about. We must walk in the truth of God's word. Listen to me. This culture wants to dictate to you and define what health looks like in relationships. And I'm telling you, this culture and this world is wrong. The only way that you can have truthfulness in your bag is if it's defined by this the word of God this is the truth over your relationships this is the truth over what health looks like over what real looks like what the world presents to us is fake what God gives to us is real so root yourself in the truth of God's word it's got to go in the bag if it's in the bag there's a help that comes. You know, like, we can get toxic so easy. In fact, I'm going to illustrate this with something my wife did yesterday. Very toxic moment for her. We're not bringing up the failures of the past. This is just a great illustration. Um, so we got in an argument over fingernail clippers. Come on, church. Like, this is marriage. This is, I, I kid you not, we got in an argument over fingernail clippers because uh, the fingernail clippers was missing from this kit. And she's like, where's the fingernail clippers? You took them out. And I was like, what does it matter to you? These are my fingernail clippers and my kit. She's like, no, it's not. I bought this kit. I was like, no, it's not. Somebody gave that to me. And we started to argue about it. And then she goes, you know what? That's such a white man thing to say. I said, excuse me? She said, you white colonizers, you just claim everything as yours. I'm not making this up. You claim everything as yours. And that is not yours. It was mine. Y'all think I'm making this up. I could not make this up. I said, woman. I said, you are tripping right now. I said, I'm going to walk out of the room. I'm going to come back. Walked out of the room. Came back five minutes later. She said, my bad. I don't know why I said that. That's not true. And she apologized, and we had a healthy moment. And I was like, you're racist. And then we moved on. But how many of you know in marriage, things can go from zero to 100 very quick? Especially when we allow toxicity or frustration or anger or something else going on in our life to elevate what should have been an easy conversation. Like if there was just truthfulness in the conversation, it, it could have been healthy. It turned toxic very quick. We worked through it. We're good now. And we're all laughing about it. But I want to challenge us that we would be truthful, not toxic. We wouldn't rejoice at wrongdoing. We'd rejoice with the truth. And finally, the keys would come back. We are preparing our bag by being enduring, not ending. 
Enduring, not ending. It bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. This is what love is. If we put enduring in the bag, we can see the health one day that we long for. The problem is this culture tells you to do what makes you happy, to quit when things get hard, and so we put ending in our bag, and then we walk out, and we say, I'm out. Why? Because enduring is hard. But what does this text tell us? It says, it bears all things. You know what I love? That sandwiched in between bearing and enduring is believing and hoping. That we believe the best. We hope for the best, even though we may be walking through the worst. And somebody needed to hear this today in this church, that right now you need to put on the bag of enduring. You need to put in your bag enduring. Because what's happened is you're on the cusp of quitting. You're on the cusp of letting go of giving up in your relationship, in your marriage. And I want to tell you right now, the word tells us that love endures, that love bears, and bearing is hard, and the load can be heavy, and enduring is painful, and it can be very difficult. But I'm telling you, if you hope and believe and endure God can bring health and healing to that which right now feels broken and desperate. He can restore it. And there's somebody in this room that was ready to quit and walk out. And God wanted to tell you, not just yet. There's still hope. Keep believing. And it's hard. I know. You know, I read this statistic that parents are most unhappy from zero, when their kids are zero to five years old. And I can attest to that because just recently my daughter, you know, moved beyond that. My kids are getting older and Christy and I feel like, oh, wow, like, is this what it's going to be more like moving forward? Like, I could get used to this. I like this. And I wanted to tell you that because some of you have been in a season of struggle. But how many know seasons pass? How many know seasons come and go? And I wanted to tell you that if you have the strength to endure the tough times, you will walk in the ease one day of the good times. But you have to have strength right now to endure. You have to take your bag of love and put endurance in it, put enduring in it, put bearing in it. And I'm telling you, it's not easy, and it will be the hardest thing you ever do in your life and in your relationships. But we bear. Church with your coworkers, some of them that are difficult and maybe have even persecuted you, mocked you, said things that weren't true about you, you bear and you endure. 
and you believe and you hope. Here's what I found. Wounded people wound people. Hurt people hurt people. And I used to have the perspective when people come at me, I'm like, Psst, I'm going to blow them up. Psst, who do you think you are? You're wrong. You're toxic. You got problems. But you know what God has showed me more recently? He said, Caleb, put enduring in your bag. Put bearing in your bag. Because maybe what they need is you to love them even when they're unlovely. Maybe what they need is you to believe in them because no one else has ever believed in them. Maybe what they need is you to be kind to them because all that was ever shown to them was cruelty. As Christians, we endure. We're called to endure. We're called to bear. And I'm not saying it's going to be easy. And I'm telling you right now, if it was easy, everyone would do it. But the true Jesus followers, as we talked about last week, the true Jesus followers, they endure when others wouldn't. They bear when others wouldn't. And how could we not do that in our relationships, especially in our marriages? So today, church, some of you need to choose to put endurance, bearing in the bag, even though it's hard. I want to close with this verse, Hebrews 12, 2. It says, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Somebody need to hear that again. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Why do we endure? Because our Savior endured. Why do we endure? Because Jesus set us the example of endurance. And because he endured, you have life. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. On your worst day, he died for you. In the, the toxicity and the unhealth, in the worst sin you've ever had, and some of you could think of it right now, and you'd be ashamed if anyone ever saw it, that's when Jesus still endured for you. Yeah. He endured, and thus we must endure. Put enduring in your bag, bearing in your bag. Why? Because our Savior endured for us. He endured the cross, the shame, the, the, the guilt that was placed upon him, the beating, the punishment, the hate, the mockery. He endured it all. Why? So that we wouldn't have to. So that one day we could stand before the Father in heaven and he would say, well done, good and faithful servant. It's not because of what you've done, but because of what he did. Because of the price Jesus paid. We endure because he endured. So may we in our relationships endure church. May we bear church. When others wouldn't, we do. Can we bow our heads across this room? Today, as we focused on preparing our bag of love, I want to ask you, if you're in this place and you would say, Caleb, honestly, I don't have relationship with Jesus. I've never received Jesus into my life. Or maybe you did at one time, but you, if you had to be honest, you say, I've been running from God. I've turned my back on God. I've rejected God. But today the Holy Spirit has stirred in my heart for me to come back to faith. To come back in a right standing, right relationship with Jesus. If you're here 
or online. And today, you want to surrender to the Savior that endured the cross for you. I want you to lift your hand. One, two, three. First time rededicating your life. Put it up. Yes, 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 yes. Come on, church. Yes, yes. Come on, church. Give God some praise. I see those hands in the back, too. That's what it's about. Pray this prayer with me. Everybody in here, repeat this after me. Say, Jesus, thank you for enduring the cross for me. You paid the price that I never could have paid so that I could have life and life eternal. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me of my past. I receive you, your fullness, your goodness, your grace, your love on my life. Today, I choose love. And I love you, Jesus. In your name, amen, amen. Can we stand to our feet, church? Let's give God some praise for all these people. I want us to sing this song and let this be our declaration of our God who loved us so much he endured for us. And may we carry out that same love as we go out from this place. Come on, lift your voices with us, church. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Project Church podcast. We pray and hope that this message encouraged you built you up and gave you life. We want to ask that you would invest right now in what God is doing here in downtown Sacramento. We've just recently moved in to our all new building in the waterfront, Old Sacramento District. We want to ask you, if you'd like to give, you can go to projectchurch.com forward slash give to invest. Let's see all that God can do through us.